Pastor Leon and his wife Sheila founded Gospel Tabernacle Church in 1982 in the heart of Lawrence, South Carolina. Since then, the Lord has richly blessed and increased the ministry and family of Gospel Tabernacle Church. Here at Gospel Tabernacle, we believe in the power of the Word of God to change the hearts and lives of believers. Gospel Tabernacle is a family church ministering to the whole family through the charismatic teaching ministry. Today's message will grow your faith and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. Hammy brought your Bible today. I hope that you did. You say, well, do I need it? I can just listen to you, can I? Well, you can listen to me, but I want you to check me out. Because I want to make sure that two things. One, I don't say something that uh, is unscriptural. And number two, uh, I want you to recognize it's not Leon saying it. I'm just relaying the message to you. That's all I'm doing. And uh, as we do that today, you'll have more assurance as you read your own scripture and look in your own word as you do me just saying. Let's make our confession today. Everybody say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have, and I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, the incorruptible, the ever-living seed, the Word of God. I'll never be the same, never, 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 in Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. If you look at my graphic that we have there that's been made for us today, and if you want to help us in ministry around here, we'd be glad to have you help us, whether it be in our technology and ministry and our graphics, everything we do. If you do some of this kind of stuff, let us know. We'd be glad to have you put you to work in that. And also, too, also, too, if uh, you are a a singer and you want to uh, sing with us in praise and worship on our team, we need some more singers on our praise team. And uh, we've got spots for uh, six people. Uh, to be singing with us there. That's what we got mics for all of that, all of our uh, mics that we bought, that uh, FM mics that uh, have the cord on them, and then we're ready. And so if you would like to be part of that and be willing to commit yourself to a night a week on Tuesday nights from 6 to 7.30, uh, practicing with us and then singing on Sunday mornings, we'd be glad to have you uh, minister with us in song. And if you would like to do that, please let us know. We really need you to step up to that point as well and talk to AJ about that, of course. And so, all right. As we get into the Word, I've been teaching for the last several weeks, in which I could go on another 150 weeks, but I've been teaching for the last several weeks on the power of words. We've talked about that consistently and considerably in the last few weeks. Today, I I, I sort of, as I was praying this week, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, well, you know, let the people know where that fits in. How, How does that work? How does it function in the way that things happen in life? You didn't get here today by accident. Uh, You didn't just all of a sudden wake up and said, where am I at? And you found yourself at Gospel Tabernacle Church or many of the other wonderful churches in our county. You you didn't just do that. That's not what happened to you. There was definite things that you did that you decided, that you thought about, that you said, that you acted on in your life that brought you here today. And and it's not a coincidence that you're here. You're here by design, your design, by purpose, your purpose. Uh, You have made that plan in your life. Life is like that. And I'm going to show you this morning as we look into the Word of God, uh, how things work. Now, this is a plan, and I'm, this is another one of those deals. You're working it already. 
whether you know it or not, you're working this graphic that I've made and put together. I did this in 1997. I don't think I've ever taught on Sunday morning, but uh, I did this in 1997 as part of a counseling program that I was part of and doing some things and teaching people how to change and how to really take care of their problems and their issues of life. And this is what the Lord gave me. And so I want to take us into it. And I don't know if we can swap to that graphic or how big it might get on the back screen back here. There it is. And I don't know if we can uh, there you go. Look at there. And maybe it'd be big enough to see that's the top left-hand corner, sort of where we stop and move into it. And give us a whole shot of it. And you can see the whole thing as it comes together as they're doing a great job up there in our graphics ministry. And uh, we're going to see what's happening. Basically, there are seven uh, boxes that you see there. I call it seven steps, but there's seven boxes, one, two at the top, two at the bottom. We're going to, uh, those two at the top and two at the bottom, if you include those, you're basically going to have nine, but that's not the way it works. You're on a track. You've heard of being on a certain track of a ministry or a certain track in your job where you're at or this. You're on the track. You're either on the top track or the bottom track. And, and the rest of it, once you make that decision where you're going to be on the top track or the bottom track, then the rest of it's going to play out for itself just like it always does. And we'll show you that as we go along. And so let's begin just a little bit by looking at a theme scripture that I want to use. Turn back to the book of Genesis chapter 8, not on your graphic that I've given you. Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, and let me show you something there. Genesis 8 and then verse 22 that we're going to look at. If you want to know how things happen, how things begin, how things start, what goes on, go back to the book of Genesis. You'll find the roots uh, to just about everything that we know anything about there in the book of Genesis. Notice, remember what has happened. The earth has been created, and for the next one, uh, and, well, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they've sinned, they've been kicked out of paradise, and they've been sort of on their own. They gained the knowledge of good and evil, which was what a conscience is, and they've been exercising their conscience for 1,656 years up to the time of the flood of Noah. And so during that time, men have denigrated gotten worse and worse worse they've devolved they've went down i mean it's been a terrible experience for planet earth during that time and finally god says he's going to destroy them he's going to start all over again with them and he does he starts all over again with noah and his three sons their three wives and noah's wife that's eight people that he starts with he gives them rules and gives them uh, commands to run their new uh, government which we call a dispensation of human government tells them what to do and how to do that but in the midst of that he gives them some things that you can just bank on things that just happen all the time and they never ever fail you ever had somebody tell you something and you found out later they lied to you they lied they lied to me remember whatever might be the case and they did and so you can't count on some things that people say sometimes or maybe something like government government will create this program and then later on they change that program or modify that program till it's not even the same program anymore and you can't count on what government said and so civilization is like that. People are like that. But God has certain things that he has placed in this world that you and I live on, planet Earth, and it never changes. It's not going to change. And in Genesis 8, verse 22, God gives Noah and his family the assurance of here's some things you can count on. Here's what it is. He said to them, not in this particular verse, but he said to them, I'm never going to destroy the earth again by water. I'm never going to flood this place out again. And what he says to them as a token of that, that you can remember that from, from now on, when it rains, you will see up in the sky, you will see a rainbow that is there. And that rainbow is a sign of my covenant with you that I'll never destroy the earth again by water. Now, it doesn't mean he's not going to destroy it again. He is. But the next time will be by fire. 
the complete opposite of water. And that's always been so encouraging to me to know that when God gives his word, I'll never destroy it by water. The next time he destroys it, he goes as far away from water as you can possibly get because he always keeps his word. And the next time it will be by fire. And so he tells them those kind of things there as he talks to them. But then he tells them something about the place that they live on. In Genesis 8, verse 22, while the earth remains... You know this, the Bible tells the book of Psalms, chapter 104, that the earth abides forever. This earth we live in on is a forever planet. It'll never be annihilated. It will be renovated by fire when God brings destruction to this world system, as the Bible says in 2 Peter. And so that's going to happen, but the earth itself is going to continue on. God has a covenant with this earth. And he says this, as long as there is an earth, in fact, right now... If you know anything, you should know one thing. You are on planet Earth. How many at least could agree that you are on planet Earth? We went to Disney World several years ago to Epcot Center, and they've got this globe of a thing, round ball that you get in, and Mother Earth, that kind of thing that we did. And, uh, but, you know, Earth's a lot bigger than that. And whether that globe comes or that ball comes or goes, doesn't matter. The Earth remains while the Earth remains. The earth was here. How many know for a fact that the earth was here when you were born? Everybody say amen. Yeah, and you arrived here on planet earth. You made your entrance into planet earth. You did it through this earth suit that you're wearing. We call it flesh. And so that's how you got here on planet earth. One day you may leave if the Lord doesn't come back real soon. He's probably going to come back the day before 3 o'clock in the afternoon, be my guess. But I don't know, so don't go by what I've just said. We don't know when he's coming back. We're to live like he could come back at any time. We believe in the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. He may come back at any time. None of us know. But when the Lord comes back, he'll come back to this earth, and he'll catch us up, the church, and then really the last seven years of this age is the tribulation period or the age of grace, and judgment falls on this earth. At the end of that time, God comes back once again, Christ Jesus does, and he sets up his kingdom on this earth, for 1,000 years that you read about in the book of Revelation chapter 20, and for 1,000 years he rules and reigns. At the end of that 1,000-year period, the devil one more time tries to rebel against God and his kingdom, and he is cast down to the fiery pit, to the lake of fire, and God's kingdom is established forever and ever and ever and ever on this earth, just like it is in God's universe now. The reign of God and righteousness comes back to this earth. And so... This earth is going to have a forever history. It's, it's tracked all through the Bible. And it's here now. And I'm here now. And you're here now. And for any of us not to believe that the earth, that we're not on the earth right now, that's, a, that's sort of a form of insanity. And so we really don't want to go there. We know we're on planet earth. So here we are. And while we are, that, that must have been a true statement that he gave Noah and his family. While the earth remains, notice this, I'm going to come back. Seed time and harvest. Two things, planting and sowing and harvesting your crop, seed time and harvest. And something else, cold and heat. Cold and heat, summer and winter. And day and night shall not cease. There will never be a time that these four things don't work on planet Earth. Never, ever. Back it up. Night and day shall not cease. We can go through the scriptures and we can look in the book of Revelation and we can see that night and day continue through all eternity. Now in New Jerusalem, because the Lamb of God is the glory of that city, there'll be no night there. 
But outside of New Jerusalem, on planet Earth, they'll continue to be night and day forever and forever and forever and forever. And that's what he says. While the earth remains, all night and day will not cease. So long as there's an earth, there'll always be night and there'll always be day. Look at what else it says. And there's going to be summer and winter. How do you get from summer to winter? You go through the fall. How do you get from winter to summer? You go through the spring. So, you know, winter, spring, summer, or fall, all four of the seasons, all of them will continue. We're never going to get to this time like some people say, well, we're going to get to the day when you can't tell the summer from the winter. I can tell the summer from the winter. How about you? Somebody say amen. It's not hard telling summer from winter. There'll never be a time that you won't be able to tell summer from winter, spring from fall. They always are going to be happening. And he also said cold and heat. There's always going to be cold. There's always going to be heat. We go from cold, we go to heat. We go from heat, we go to cold. And when we look at this earth, I, what happens is this. Men's eyes are so narrow. They see only such a portion of something. Do you know something? I be, Listen very carefully how I state this. I believe in global warming today up until 3 o'clock this afternoon. Because after 3 o'clock this afternoon, we're going to see global cooling. Right? So if I only have a 24-hour view of things, I see something. I can even span it for a week's period of time. And I can experience that seven different times in that one week. And what happens is this, people on planet Earth, sometimes they do things that are absolutely crazy and absolutely nuts. And now, you know, really right now the big deal is climate change. What's the big deal about that? Climate always changes. It changed from this morning to right now, and it's going to change at 3 o'clock, and it's going to change again. So, you know, you can't lose if you just say climate change. But now what, how come they went to climate change? Because their global warming wasn't working out. They told us we're all going to burn up. We're going to burn up one day, but they're not the ones going to cause it. Man's not going to cause it. God's going to set this world on fire one day, and he's going to judge every wicked thing on this creation. He will. He will. That's not the global warming they're talking about. They try to tell us that man has something to do with global warming. Well, you know what? Strange thing. When I was in school in the 70s, and Sheila and I, when we were in school in the 70s, what we learned there when we couldn't keep our eyes on each other, uh, what we learned then was, when we listened, what we learned was that we were going to the next ice age. Just as much as people tout climate change or they used to tout global warming, in that day they told us we were all going to freeze to death. Every one of us. We were running out of water by 1977. I remember that. By 77, there'll be no water left on planet Earth. Did anybody go to the lake or the beach, you know, in July? Is there still water? Somebody tell me. Is there? So what they say doesn't always come to pass, does it? In fact, turn there. Turn there. I can't help it. Turn to Romans chapter 1. Let me show you something. What happens is you've got a lot of crazy people who are looking through a narrow lens of their little world and think they know it all from the time they started, from the time that they end. Look at Romans chapter 1. And Romans chapter 1. And I'll show you, it describes them perfectly who they are and what they do. They, they, they try to tell you everything. I mean, years ago, years ago, they remember they talked about aerosol cans? Don't do that. Hairspray? Anybody use hairspray? Any guys use hairspray? 
I try to keep what I got, you know, someplace, you know, whatever, but a little bit back there. But anyway, you know what? They told us hairspray was what? Going to kill the ozone, right? It damaged and destroyed the ozone layer. Have you looked at the ozone, ozone layer reports in the last few years? It's not getting less. It's getting greater. We're getting more ozone than what we ever had. They don't know everything they'd like to tell you that they know. They're not as smart as they want you to think that they are. In the book of Romans chapter 1, where can we begin? No, notice this. Oh, verse 18, Romans 1, 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that when they, what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. How, how have we seen? For the invisible things of him from creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You can't live in planet Earth without knowing certain things. I have an undeniable knowing on the inside of me that within the next, where we're at right now, we're, we're close to about, what, 1130 today. And so probably about 12, and then that 20 hours, the sun's going to be going down and rising again. You just about can't break me from believing that. And I didn't learn that in a book. I learned that from living on planet Earth, watching the sun go up and the sun go down. And I wasn't hitching a ride, as it said in, you know, in the 60s. But you remember that song, the sun goes up, the sun goes down. Anyway, all that kind of stuff is out there. And so I learned that just by living here. There are certain things you know just by living here, right? You didn't learn out of a book. You just know it because you've just seen it happen so many times. And they have too. They've seen it happen many times too. But they've gone nuts. Notice what it said, verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but they became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. In other words, the, the emptiness of their imaginations, the foolishness of their heart, uh, the, the darkness of the corruption that was in them, it's blocking them from seeing whatever the rest of us see. I mean, when you hear some of the foolish things that men and women are doing today, they're just absolutely nuts. And they want us to buy into their nutticism. <laughs> New word right there. And they want us to buy into it. But no, don't buy into their, their nutticism. Don't do that. Just because they're nuts, they'll make you one. All right, verse 22. Professing themselves to wise, they became fools. They tell us they're so smart. I mean, I can't help it. When a man is talking to me, wearing a dress, telling me something, I can't help but laugh. He thinks he's so smart, he idiot. He's foolish. They think they're so, I'm not going to listen to them. I'm not going to do that. If my dog came up to me and told me he was a cat, I'm not listening to my dog. He can bark all he wants to. I'm not listening to him. No matter if he did tell me when I asked him what was on top of the house, he went, roof, roof. I mean, still, I'm not letting, no matter how smart he is. Verse 23. And it changed the glory of the uncomfortable of God into image made like unto the corruptible man, to birds, four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts, to the dishonor of their own bodies between themselves. They changed the truth of God into a lie, and they worshiped and served the creature. When we read right here, while the earth remains, there's always going to be cold and heat, and they tell us they're not. Somebody's lying, and it ain't God. 
So you can be established in pure, truthful science from the Scriptures as well as from observation of God's universe that he's made that he's telling us about. But now these folks, they change the truth of God into a lie. They worship and serve creatures more than the creator who's blessed forever. And for this cause, God gave them up to vile effects. You can go on through it, and he gave them up, and he talks about the transsexual kind of junk as he goes on through it. But what I'm trying to establish is this. They thought themselves wise, but they became fools. And so what you have to anchor yourself in is what the Word of God says. That's the truth of all eternity. It's a truth that never dies, it never changes, and it works for everybody. There, there is no respect to persons with God. It'll work for me, it'll work for you, it'll work for anybody. There's a hard truth out there that once you find it and you begin walking in it, it will work for you and produce exactly what God says it will produce in your life. That's this plan I've got in front of you. That's what it'll do for you. It'll do wonderful things for you as we work our way through it. You, you, you can see how it can bring healing into your physical body. You can see at the same time how it will bring riches into your household, how it will bring peace into your mind, how it will give you good relationships with other people. It, it's all right there. That's the plan. That's the way that it works. Now, now notice what he said. Cold and heat, it, it, it doesn't stop. And then he backs it on up to seed time and harvest. That's the fourth thing. What was the first one? Day and night doesn't stop. Summer and winter doesn't stop. Cold and heat doesn't stop. And seed time and harvest doesn't. And so what we know, as long as we're on planet Earth, there's going to be seed time and harvest. What we, on the, this side of the building, probably see just a little bit more sun on this side coming into the windows than what you saw before in days gone by. Why is that? Because just a few months ago, we cut down a lot of trees that were over here. That some were overshadowing the property and said that's not a good thing for those things to, you know, fall on the church or through rot or decay or through lightning strike or something like that. Let's just cut them out and they won't be there. And so working with our wonderful neighbor here, we, we did that and, and we cut all of those out. Well, we had been having some problems with grass growing on the right-hand side of the building over there. Why was that? Because all those trees were over that area not letting the sunlight get down there, Right? But I noticed just the other day when we were doing something electrical out here that we had to make a change in, when we were doing that and the trees were gone, I noticed, hey, there's grass growing there now. It's growing right up to the side of the building. You know, I was thinking we are going to bring in some topsoil and plant some seed, which that would work. But now it's just growing and all is on. What happened? The trees are gone, and the sun can come in. And what happens? The earth says seed time and harvest will never stop, even though I thought it had, but it hadn't. It hadn't. Seed time and harvest will never, ever end. And that's what he says. It shall not cease. So it's an impossibility for you to plant a seed and not get a harvest. You can't do it. You, you, you can't plant. You can't sow without a harvest coming. That's how this world continues in the, in the course that it's on right now and repopulating itself on planet Earth as well as in we the people. It continues by this process of sowing and reaping, by seed time and harvest. And so, wow, knowing that, I've got to ask myself, <clears throat> what's going on in my life? What kind of seeds am I planting? Notice. Uh, the harvest day. Look at the, zoom in at the top right there. Seven steps to the harvest of your choice. And what do I say right up at the top? Good or bad. Your choice. Good or bad. It's your choice. Well, I think what God wants for me is good. I think so too. But you don't get it just because you think God wants it for you and he wants it for you. There's choices to be made. 
before you get the good or the bad. Either one, you're going to have a decision in this. You're going to do something here that's going to cause one to go good or one to go bad. It's going to be up to your part in this as you work in the plan of God that God has created and outlined that's in, in action right now today. There's, there's no stopping. It's going to work. Okay, let's go. Look at the very top left. Notice, on this process of going to the harvest, how many does, you can honestly say you want a good harvest? Somebody say amen. How many of you don't want a bad harvest? Somebody say no. No bad harvest. We want a good harvest. What is a good harvest? If you're sick, it's being well. If you're broke, it's having some money. If it's just having a little money, it's having a lot of money. I mean, you know, it depends on the abundance of our, our life. If it's got bad relationships, it's having good relationships. If it's not having peace of mind and you're worried and you fret all the time, it's having a mind where you don't worry and you don't fret and you don't have a care and everything's fine within your mind. I mean, those are the harvests of our life. You could think of a lot more harvests that we could think about in our life. But whatever your harvest is, right here is the plan. This is how we get it. Now, it all starts with the planting of a seed, though. Most people think this. God, I want something. I want this miracle. I want this blessing. I want this good thing. And what we expect is for the miracle to show up, the blessing to show up, or the good thing to show up. That, that's what we expect to happen. It's not how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God works as a man planting seed. What shows up is the seed. And what you do with the seed will determine if you get the good thing, the blessing, all the things that you have need of in your life. Those things don't show up in full maturity. Now, we, we've got several little children. They're in the back now and that kind of thing. They love our little children. But you know what? What, what, what we thought, what we thought if when Zuri was born, uh, Zuri come out, you know, just as uh, tall as Dennis is. That'd been rough, anyway. That'd been one rough pregnancy right there for sure. But, but we don't expect that, do we? But we want a child, but we, you know, what? what? What if that child came out all muscular and all ready to go? And what if it came out just speaking 14 foreign languages? And all, you know, it doesn't happen. What happens? That child, which was a seed, and through that pregnancy, conception takes place, and it comes forth in this little infancy. I, I don't know all about this, and so you probably know more than me. But I'm told when the children are first born, maybe they, maybe they don't see, you know, it takes a little bit for their eyes to sort of focus and start seeing. And, you know, within the next few hours, a few days, and that, that stuff begins to happen. And, you know, they're not eating, of course, and all this kind of stuff is going on. And they learn and they grow. Why is it that when we get to where God is, we want everything full maturity? Here's what I want, God. I want 14 automobiles in my 30-car garage, in my multi-billion dollar property that I own here, and I want that duplicated seven times around the world in case I try to travel. I want my private jets, two or three of them at least, more than John Kerry's got, and I want my private jets, and I also want wonderful islands that I can go and I can live on and I'll own, and I want everybody to love, you know, all that kind of stuff. And you just expect all that stuff just to be dumped to you in, in mature, already formed fashion harvest, and it's not that way. Harvest come from seeds. Harvest, and that's what he promised you. Seed time and harvest. He didn't promise you the full thing. He didn't just say, you'll always harvest. While the earth remains, you'll always harvest. Is that right? I mean, did, did I change anything? Let me make sure I don't be cheating here. No, no, it does. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest. Seed time is there. It's not just harvest. 
It's seed time and harvest. So your harvest is going to depend on the seed that you sow. Every one of us. Everyone. You want a good, loving marriage relationship? You've got to sow some good things into that loving marriage relationship. If you don't, you'll have a rotten one. And all that means is you sow rotten things into that marriage relationship. Okay. Let's back this seed process up. Look at John chapter 4, verse 24. In John chapter 4, verse 24, this little woman comes and she's drawing water and Jesus talks to her, tells her, you know, reads her mail, tells her her history and everything's going on, everything's happening to her. But he makes a principal statement that I want you to see. And most everybody, whether they know anything else about the Bible or not, they seem to know this. John 4, verse 24, God is a spirit. Everybody say, God is a spirit. It doesn't say God doesn't have a spirit body. It doesn't say God can't be seen because people have seen God in Scripture and God does go from place to place as the Bible tells us that he does. He does take up presence and space. He does those things, but he is a spirit. Well, you are a spirit. The essence of who you are, you are a spirit. We're all spirits, but God is a spirit. And they that worship him, that give him adoration and praise and honor, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is a spirit. That spirit in your Bible is probably capital. It is in mine. But the second spirit, when we worship him in spirit, not capital, that's us. In other words, when we worship God, we worship spirit to spirit. Spirit to spirit. And notice it says we must worship him in spirit and truth. If you're not worshiping spirit, you're not worshiping. You may have a form of religion. You may do ceremonial type things that you do that people look at and we call it worship. But until your spirit gets in contact with God's spirit, no worship takes place. You must worship him in spirit and truth, he says. That's the only way. And so then, my contact with God is in the realm of spiritual things. Remember, we are spirit. We are soul and we are body. Our body, this flesh part of us, it touches our outer world. It gives us world consciousness is what our body does. Through the five senses, I can see, I can touch, and I can taste, and I can hear, you know, the, the experiences, smell, the thing, experiences of this world that informs my body. That's how I relate to the world I live. If you don't have a body, you can't live on planet Earth. Right? When you, when you die, your spirit leaves your body, and your body goes back to, you know, dust of the earth. You've got to have a body to be here. The second thing we have is this thing called a soul. That's a part of you on the inside that feels. It's your emotions on the inside of you, your, your hurts, your joys, uh, your love, your hatred. It's where all of that kind of stuff dwells in the emotional part of it. In the book of, uh, I'm sorry, book of Romans chapter 10, verse 38, says that, that our soul, God says, if any man draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in. Pleasure comes out of the soul. The Bible says, talks about God was grieved in his soul. Grieving comes out of the soul. And so that part of you that feels, that part of you that experiences emotions, you're in your soulish realm. But there's another part of you even deeper called your spirit man. And that spirit in you is the essence of life of who you are. God gave it to you. When he breathed into you the breath of lives, the Bible tells us in the book of Genesis. And that spirit on the inside of you is what God has given in you. And, and that's why it's eternal. It's going to live forever somewhere, heaven or hell. 
The Spirit will live on forever somewhere because it's breathing you from Almighty God. And that Spirit of you is that part of you that knows and has relationship with God and speaks to God and God speaks to you. When He's speaking to you, He's speaking to your spirit. Sometimes we call that our heart. Our heart of hearts It's God speaking to us. And so that's how God is. No way. So if I'm going to hear from God, the only way I'll hear from Him is from the Spirit. Now then, What's very common in Christianity is this. We'll say this. Well, I just felt like that's what God wanted me to do. Has nothing to do with what you felt. Because what you felt is in the realm of it's fleshly, in the realm of the flesh, or it's in the realm of your emotions. And that's not where God's speaking to you at, not through your feelings. We walk not by sight. We walk by faith. We don't walk by our feelings. We're not moved by what we feel. What we see, hear, touch, experience. None of these things move us. We're moved only by the word of God, which is spoken to our spirit man. And so if you're just looking to feel good about this, or feel good, I just had a good feeling about it, Pastor. Why'd you do it? I just felt like it was the right thing to do. Did you? Really? Yeah. Well, didn't you know that nobody in Alaska wants to buy snowballs when you open that snowball stand? Did you know that? Well, I just felt like they would. And people make some dumb ideas and dumb things based on their feelings. Don't go by your feelings. You're going to have to have that inner knower on the inside that you know, 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 that you know. It's that inner knowing on the inside. All right. God's speaking to that part of you. And so if you're looking how things look on the outside, if you're looking at how things sound on the outside, or if you can touch it on the outside, or that feeling part of the inside, emotional man, you're looking in the wrong place to hear from God. You have to have an inner knowing. In, in, in September of 1982, the Lord had been discuss, discussing with me in my heart and my spirit uh, about doing what I did in, in founding and starting this church. It was at the end of that month of September that I wanted to know for sure. One of the ways I found out for sure that God wanted me to do what I've done is this. I went on a fast. I started fasting, and it wasn't a long fast at all. Saturday was the third day of the fast. And so I went on a fast, and on Saturday morning, that Saturday morning on the third day of a fast, behind the home I now live in, in the wooded area behind me there that I didn't own it then, I do now. But back there, the Lord spoke to my spirit and told me to do exactly what I did in founding and starting this church. Now, what did fasting have to do with it? Fasting, I wasn't eating, and so my flesh was dying. So I certainly didn't have a feeling to do this. My feeling was, I want something to eat. That's what I was feeling. I wanted something to eat. I, so there was no feeling. And so fasting kills off the outer man and puts him down in his place so that the spirit can arise within us and we recognize who we are, and then we can hear God clearer. We can hear God more perfectly through the avenue of a fast than we can when our flesh is so consuming our lives. And it was that time that the Lord spoke to me to do this. And then I started doing it, and from then on, then on, we, we never questioned. I've heard people talk about I had my doubts. I never had a doubt. We never questioned. I never said if we're doing the right thing or not. I, not, not so ever. Somebody told me one time, said, well, you're out on a limb doing this. I said, well, if I'm out on a limb, God's out there with me because we're out there together because I'm doing exactly what he told me. To. No, not one single time. And we dove in, and somebody said, what was your alternative if it didn't work? I didn't have an alternative. There were no alternatives. 
I was going to do what the Lord spoke to my heart to do. But I did that because I heard in the realm of the Spirit. And, and you have to get, now, do you have a peace about it? Sure, you can have a peace about it. But then on the other hand, the devil can come to you and torment you for everything you're worth, trying to get you out of the will of God and off of the plan of God for your life. He can do all kinds of things. He'll come through the flesh. That leads us to him. Look at Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now, if you notice, we talk about God as a spirit. That's the top of your chart. At the bottom, right directly under it, in parallel with it, notice we're going to see how Satan talks to you now. Because Satan is not speaking to your spirit. He's headed there. That's where he wants to go. But that's not where his entrance is. God enters through the spirit of mankind. The devil does not. He wants to get there to oppress you. He wants to get there to finally possess that spirit. He wants that, but that's not his avenue of first contact with you. His avenue of first contact with you is through your flesh. We can see that again in the book of Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Remember the temptation that was there? Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. Slick, devious. Uh, the field which the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, You sure hath God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Remember in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, God told them, of all of the trees of the garden you may freely eat, but not of that tree of knowledge and good and evil. Don't eat of that, for the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Genesis 2, 17. That's what he said to them. And the devil saying, are you sure that's what God said to you? Think about it. Why would God say that? He's trying to get you curious about it. Verse, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of all the fruit of the trees of the garden. She's right. That's exactly what God said. Verse 3, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat of it. That's exactly what God said. This he said, neither shall you touch it lest you die. God never said it. She's added to the word of God. And if you want to know if you're getting off an error, it's when you're going to have to add something to the word of God to get what you want or make life real to you or, you know, for it to go your way. Once you start adding to the Word of God, you have stepped in the wrong direction, you're going the wrong way, and you are a prime target for the devil to take over your life. Why do I know? I'm reading it right here. Verse 4, And the serpent said to the woman, You, you won't surely die. In other words, she comes and she opposes the Word of God. Or, or, and he contradicts the Word of God to her. When you have to get to that place, I know the Bible says it, but yeah, but I don't believe it. You are in terrible, terrible trouble. You have a destiny to the place that you don't want to go to. That's not where you want to be in life. That's where she was at. So, so she's there. She's there. Notice, in the day, that, verse 5, God doth know, serpent said to the woman, you won't surely die. No, you won't. And you know what? Somebody says, well, does people still do that day? Yes, all the time. That's why more people believe in heaven than they do in hell. Now, I can believe in heaven, y'all. I can believe in heaven. I can't believe in hell. I can't believe God sent nobody to hell. Well, how come you believe in heaven? Well, I just believe God's a good God and he sent to take it to heaven. No, I believe in heaven because the Bible tells me there's a heaven. I believe in hell for exactly the same reason, because the Bible tells me there's a hell. The old timers used to say it like this, there's a heaven to gain, there's a hell to shun. We're in the day and age now that they say there's a heaven to gain. They don't talk about shunning hell. They just talk about gaining heaven. And see, the thing is this, and when you, and the serpent says, you will not surely die. You won't surely die. 
Like in the world we live in today, people say, sin all you want to. It won't matter. You won't go to hell. Sin all you want to. It doesn't matter. God loves everybody. He wouldn't dare sin anybody. That's what they say. Well, the reality is this. It's a twofold application. God ain't sending anybody to hell. God created the hell for the devil and his angels, according to Matthew 12. And the devil and his angels are on his way to hell. If you follow the devil and his angel, you're on his way with him. And what God did is he sent Jesus to buy your way out of going to hell. And if you accept him, you don't have to go to heaven and hell. So God's design is to get you out of it. But if you want to go, you can still go if you want to. Don't do it. I'd advise against it. Serpent says you won't surely die. People look at the word of God. I just don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. How could I be this way if, uh, you know, if God hadn't made me this way? People will say stuff like that. I, I don't believe that in the first place. I don't believe people created in these kind of ways they're talking about, man, woman stuff, you know, or they want to say the other. I don't believe that in the first place. But even if that were true, we're all born in sin. Hey, I was a born liar. Don't you think I ought to stop lying? Somebody say amen. You were too. So just because you're born that way, that ain't no excuse. But I don't think you're born all these ways. Some things they adapted on to themselves. But anyway, anyway. He now gives a rationale. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, your eyes will be open. You'll be as God's, knowing good and evil. You know, God's jealous. He don't want you to be like him. He just knows that when you do this, you'll know good and evil. And you'll be like God. That's his promise. That's his promise. You know what? I am a child of the Father God. How many of you are a child of God? Say amen. I want to be like him in every way possible. How about you? Somebody say Amen. I do. I want to walk like him, talk like him, act like him, be like him, do like him. I, I, I want to be wall-to-wall -wall God in my life. But I still am not God. I mean, some people, you know, Brother Copeland used to talk about like that, you know, ignorance before daylight. And the seed, seed didn't go bad. Seed didn't went to ignorance. I mean, it's crazy stuff. We use a little understanding of the Scripture. We want to be like him in, in every possible way. Absolutely. But I know who God is, and I know who I am. I know who I am without God. I know who I am with him. I like being who I am with him. How about you? That's what I like. Now notice, verse 6. And the woman said the tree was good for food. That's pleasant to the eyes. Notice it. It's good for food. How's the devil talking to her? You can have some good food. Oh, Lord. The devil uses that, doesn't he? I know I've seen coconut cakes talk to me. Have y'all? Oh, Lord. Woo, Lord, them coconut cakes. Danny, your mama make that coconut cake. Oh, Lord, that thing will talk to you. It will. I mean, just one. And then not only that, well, not talk to you. One whip of it up the nose. Whoo, Lord. And you get a sniff of that thing. Wow, and you smell that fresh coconut and that pineapple she puts on. Oh, Lord, that's some good eating. Somebody say amen. Lord, have mercy. Oh, it's good. It's good. It is really, really, really good. I've wondered about that. God, if you didn't want me to eat food that tastes right, why did you give me taste buds? What gave me taste buds? I mean, you know what? And so she saw, what, what's happened? The devil's talking to her through the flesh. Got that mouth opening. Got that tongue through the flesh. It ain't spirit. Then the tree is pleasant to the eyes. It, not only does it you know, taste good, it looks good too. It just looks right. Right? Some people get to that place, they look at things like that. You know, loving you is wrong. I don't want to be right. You know that kind of stuff? They get there. They see something. They think it's right. This, this can't be wrong. It can't be wrong. It can't. It can't. You're going to bust up your marriage and go with somebody else. Your little kids ain't going to have a mom and dad. And they can't be wrong. Come on now. But that's what the devil tells us, isn't it? 
Uh, I think God wants me to be happy. I do too. Depending on what your happiness is, is, is fashioned on, though. If you got your happiness fashioned on, you know, abusing little children and molesting them, no, if that's what makes you happy, well, I'd rather make you dead than happy. Somebody say amen. Absolutely. No, not everything that makes you happy is something you ought to have. If you're in the flesh and in the world, the things that bring you happiness in the flesh of the world are probably not things you ought to have. But if you're in the kingdom of God, the things that will make you happy, what did the psalmist David say? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. You had a lot of, a lot of you know, people who claim to be Christian. Well, I've got to go to church again this Sunday. Oh, my God. Is it Sunday again? Didn't we just go last week? I mean, you don't say that about that food you eat. Is it lunchtime again? Didn't I just eat at breakfast? You didn't say that then. In fact, you can't wait to get out, right? No, you can wait. I'm about to let you out too. It won't be much longer, another three hours. But anyway, we're going to be out. We're going to be out. But notice what's happening. Food, pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desired to make one wise. I'm smarter than you. I know more than you. And that's what we want in life. We want, we, we want stuff that tastes good, it looks good. Pride, arrogance, I know more than you. All of you need to, I heard a politician, you know, I, I'm getting, that's one, one of my problems I guess I had. You know, I tell you, not perfect, that's one of my not perfect things. It, it's hard to like politicians. It's hard to like them. I heard one talking the other day, and three or four people stood up to this politician and told him certain things about this, this, and how it was, and he looked at them with a sneer and said, you just don't understand, you don't know. I have this degree. <sighs> yeah, you, know, you know what a Ph.D. degree is, don't you? It's a post hole digger. That's what it's supposed to. No, it's not that. It's not that. But, but whether you've got a degree or not, I mean, you've got to make that thing work. A degree is nothing but a tool. You've got to make your education work for you. That's what you've got to do. If you're going around and say, I got this degree, I got this degree, I shouldn't be doing this, I shouldn't be doing that, you don't know how to do it. We have to teach you how to do it to you learn how to do it. No matter what kind of degree you've got, you've got to learn. But, but people want to be wise, and I know more than you. You should listen to me because I know more than you. And so, basically, Satan is talking to us all of those kind of ways. Let, let, let's look at one last place. Look at um, Acts chapter 5, and let me show you something there. Where did I? No, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I slipped ahead. Let's go to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verse 15. And I'm going to shortly bring it to a close here. Just a few minutes. Mark chapter 4. So then, you've got, if you don't know anything else from today's session, you've got God talking to you through your spirit and the devil talking to you through your body. Devil's talking through your flesh. God's talking through your spirit. That's the way it works. You don't know anything else. We now know that. God, when he speaks to me, he's speaking to me in my heart of hearts. The devil, when he speaks to me, he's speaking to me through my activities of life that bring me joy and fun and pleasure and these things out here that I can see and taste and touch and feel. That's where the devil is talking to me at. We've got that established. Now then, when God speaks to you, I made this point. He's speaking to your heart. Notice Mark chapter 4, verse 15, when he talks about that parable of the sower that we won't go into. But verse 15, these are they which are by the wayside where the word is sown. Now, this whole parable has to do with what kind of ground you are. But if you are a wayside hearer, you may be, you just dropped in and you're fixing to be dropped out. Or you was checking in while he was checking out. I mean, I don't know what, 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 if that's our personalities, I think that, that would be you then. 
you'd be this way, say, oh, you hurt a little bit, but boy, let's don't get too deep with that stuff. Like people told me, Leon, you're taking this religion thing way too serious. You need to slow down and enjoy your life. I said, I am enjoying my life. They said, how are you enjoying your life? You don't do all the things that we do. I said, I don't enjoy the things you do. I enjoy the things I do. What do you do? I said, I go to church, pray, study, and say the word of God and love God. You call that enjoyment? Yes, I call that enjoyment. I'm having the time of my life. It's fun to serve God. Somebody say amen. How do you think God feels when people walk around saying, oh, God, I got to go to church again? If I was God, I'd say, uh-oh, that's it. I'm about to wipe you off. You know? It's, it's, it's strange. It's strange. Mark 4, verse 15. When the word is sown to this wayside hearer, when they have heard, again, it's at that point of hearing. When you hear something, when something is spoken to you, when they have heard, a couple things are going to happen. Here, this word we're thinking is, of course, is the word of God. The source shows the word of God. The word of God is sown in your hearts. And notice where it goes to. It goes to the heart of man. God is speaking to my heart. That's why some of us need to slow way down. Some of us need to cut that phone off. That was good. That was right on cue. Well, the, when the word is so in the heart, the devil cometh immediately. That was immediate, wasn't it? We need to cut that phone off. Cut it off. I was in council one time, and somebody came in and had a phone on, and the phone went off, and we are you know, in this council, about 20 minutes into counseling. And they said, excuse me, i got to take this. I said, that's okay. Go ahead and take it. I'll tell you what, reschedule me when you got another time we can sit down and really talk about your life. Because right now it's clear you don't have time. Well, no, I just got to take this call. No, you don't have to take this call. You don't have to take this call. Everybody say, you don't have to take this call. How do I know that? Because being born in 1955, I lived a number of years where we couldn't take no calls. You couldn't take a call at all in my condition unless you had a dime. And then you had to find a phone booth. And then you had to find a book that was in the phone booth that was still hanging on the end of that cord there and have a dime to call. We li can you believe it? We lived our lives for days without making a phone call. Some of us didn't even have a phone. And we didn't have nobody to call anyway. We had the modern-day phones like people have when they Facebook. And our Facebook in that day was a party line. You wasn't calling nobody. You was picking up and seeing what your next-door neighbor was doing. How many ever did that? I did. Did you ever do that? Yeah, put your hand over the receiver, make sure you don't breathe none, and then they start saying, somebody's on this line. And you, and you, but you can't let it go. You can't let it go. And, and you put that phone on the hook right there, a little black phone. Remember that black phone we had, that dial rotator on it? It wasn't but one color and I found it, you know, black phone. That was it. And, and you put that phone on top, and you mash that button slow as you can mash it, thinking it's going to stop it. But James knows it's still going to go click when you get it. He worked for them for long, many years, run the whole place. But I tell you what. But, but no, you know, you know but, but to hear from God, you've got to cut some things off in your life. You are. When I go in, in, into my prayer time at, at my home, I love my wife. I love my family. But I say, hey, this is a time 
for me to talk to God. If you got a need or something on border-level emergency, knock on the door and get me right here. I'm here. I'm here. But if you don't, let, let me pray in God's presence. Let me find my place of rest and peace in the presence of God. Let me get where I can hear from God. I've been working, doing this, doing that, and running here, running that, listening to this, listening to that, talking here, talking. Let, let me get to a place of silence where I can be and hear from God. And you know what? I can imagine myself going into my prayer room and, you know, and, and taking my phone, which is completely off, and taking my phone and laying on a desk and me talking to the Lord God of the universe and the phone ring. And I say, wait a minute, God. I got to go take this call. And I get the call, and it says, hello, I'm calling you about the auto manufacturing warranty on your automobile. <laughs> right? I mean, you know, it's amazing. Put that phone down. Give it up. Some, some of you, you know, you'd be headed toward the emergency room this afternoon if you had to let go of that phone for about the next hour. I mean, cause you're so attached. Don't let it control your life like that. But beyond that, I use a phone. It's a wonderful device to be in communication, touch people. We have the Internet on it. We can go worldwide right now on our phone. So, you know, all those some wonderful things. Not against technology. But don't let technology or anything else stand between you and yourself hearing from God. He's more important than your phone. I love her. But God is more important in my family. He's more important to her than I am to her. He should be. He's her Lord and her master. And so we have to put in, and if I'm going to spend time away from my wife, you better know I'm going to cut my phone off. I mean, there ain't no question about that. If I'm spending time away from her, I mean, everything else is gone. I don't care about anything else. But you're going to get that place. If you don't, though, if you don't, What's going to happen? The world's going to keep talking to your ears. The world's going to keep showing you stuff in front of your eyes. The world's going to give you stuff that you can touch. The world's going to give you stuff that you can feel and you can smell and you can taste. And it's going to keep on talking to you. And you say, I wonder why God don't ever talk to me. And God's talking to your spirit, but you're so busy in your flesh body that you just can't hear him. You've got to get to that place to where you give it up. Let go of this flesh. Jesus said, you can take up your cross and you follow him. You lay it all down. Jesus don't get just a little part of you. He gets all of you or nothing. And that's how it is with him. It's all or nothing with him. And you've got to give him everything that you are. When you do, you'll find out that your telephone, or your heart, your spiritual line of God just lit up. And wow, you're hearing God and you're getting revelation and he's speaking to you and he's changed your world. He's changed your life. He's told you the directions you ought to go. All because you cut out me, other people, and this world where you focus solely, completely on him and he spoke to you in your heart of hearts. And when he does that, then you have that no-so, I know. I know what God has said. There's some things in life I don't, I don't know. I'm not a knower of everything. But the times that God has spoke to my heart in life and I've listened and he spoke to me, I know. And I don't have to question it. I don't have to doubt it. I know. I know. You have to be that way in certain things. If you're dealing with medical circumstances, you have to have a no-so or else, you know, you better not do it. But if once you have a no-so and you know from God or God's told you to do something in your finances and you know, you need to go and do what God's told you to do. And you only get that through that interconnection. You really should never come to me or someone else and say, well, Pastor, you know, I, I'm hearing this kind of thing and wondering what to do. What do you think I should do? The better thing you should say is this. I'm trying to hear from God, and rather than ask you what you think I should do, 
would you pray that, you know, I just be in a place where I could hear from God myself and just be satisfied with God speaking to my own heart? It's all right to have counselors. There's safety. The Bible says many counselors, many different opinions out there. But the final analysis is you're going to have to go down for yourself. You're going to have to live for your own self. People have asked me a lot of times about what should I do about this or that the other. And I said, I can't tell you what to do. I know what I do, but I'm not you, and you're not me. You've got your own life, and I'm not going to tell you something to do, and you're not ready to do that, and then you fail in that, or you get hurt in that based on what I told you. No, no. You find out from God what he wants you to do. You're just as close to God as I am, and you can talk to him just like I can. And God will speak to you and loves you just as much. And he'll answer your heart's desires. And he does it through the inner heart. Not out here, through the inner heart. How many wants to hear the voice of God? Somebody say, Amen. He's speaking. He's speaking. Stand with me this morning. Let's go before the Lord in prayer in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you are in the house today, save. Hold that, hold that little thing that I've spent a lifetime developing. Hold that. Keep on holding it. If you are in the house today, Brother Thomas, come on. We're going to pray for you and you need prayer today, and you need God to do something in your heart, in your life, then you're welcome to come forward, and we'll pray for you. We'll lay hands on you and believe God, and trust Him to bring healing into your life. If it's a healing circumstance or situation, if in your life you are away from God, and you want to return to Him, you can do that today. If uh, you've never known the Lord Jesus, and you'd like to be saved, you can do that today. If you've known Him, but you've walked away, and things aren't right in your life, in your heart, you know it's not and you want to recommit your life to Christ, you can do that here today as well. I'll pray with you. And if whatever need you might have, you can join Brother Thomas if you don't have a need this morning, and you're just welcome to, to come on down, and we'll pray, and we'll believe God together, and we'll thank God for what he does in your life. And we give him praise, and we give him glory. Just keep your mind, your heart right on God. Uh, focus on him. Give him your attention, and let him do something in you very specially. His, his touch is here. His presence is in his house and in this place. Uh, no, Lord God, we give you glory and we give you honor and we praise you and we bless you in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Thomas, what's your, what's your problem? Uh, mm-hmm. Right, okay, all right. Everybody stretch your hands this way. Let's pray for Brother Thomas in Jesus' name and believe God to touch his heart in the name of the Lord. Father God, in Jesus' name. And, Lord God, with your power and your authority, Lord God, I lay hands on Brother Thomas. Lord, I believe for healing to come into his body, Father, from his head to his toe and in his heart and in the region around his heart. Father God, may healing come upon him, Lord. God, bring restoration, Lord God. And, Lord God, bring healing and correction to that that's been damaged. And, Lord, in the name of Jesus, may vigor and strength and life come into him. Even in Jesus' name we pray, Father, by your power and for your glory, Father God, we receive in the name of Jesus Christ. We receive in Jesus' name. What do you have need of, Ms. Layla? Two months. Two months. That's too much too long, isn't it? A lot of things that come against Miss Leela. Mainly she's talking about this vertigo, but other things that have come against her. And in Jesus' name, everybody stretch your hands toward her. And let's pray and believe in Jesus' name. Father God, Lord God, may your hand come upon Miss Leela. And Lord, in the name of Jesus... This that is in her, Lord God, this dizziness, this vertigo, this problem, Lord God, with her balance, other things taking place. Lord God, heal in Jesus' name and set her free of this, Lord God. Lord God, loose her and let her go free of this in the name of Jesus Christ. 
And, Lord God, may perfect balance, Lord God, come upon her even now in the name of the Lord. And, Father, may restoration come. And, Lord, this has been against her, is against her no longer. And, Father God, we pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, your hand of blessing on her, a hedge of protection around her for these other things, Lord, to try to open doors into her life. And come, Lord God, Lord God, at the feet, Lord, at the coattails of this vertigo. In Jesus' name, Lord God, we thank you, Father God, freedom and deliverance. And the name of the Lord Jesus, we give you glory, we give you honor, and we receive in Jesus' name. In the name of the Lord. Somebody say amen. Amen, amen. God Almighty, we give you praise. Stretch your hands toward heaven. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Father, I give you praise and I give you glory. I thank you, Lord, that you are speaking to me. I'm listening and I'm hearing. I'm obeying and I am following. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I give you all praise and all glory. In the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Somebody shout hallelujah. God bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this faith-filled message. Please connect with us at our website, gospeltabernaclechurch.com, so we can continue to be a part of your faith walk. And if you're listening today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, now is the time to do that. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I believe you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins on the cross. And you have raised Him from the dead that I might be alive in Him. Jesus, I confess you are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome. You're now in the family of God. You're a child of God. Connect with us. Let us know if you prayed that prayer. We want to be right there alongside you as you walk out this journey of faith in Christ. God bless you.